0: Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine, where we talk about more investment-related questions, or as I call it, mailbag-related questions that have come into us. We hope that you enjoy this episode, and as always, If you'd like to be a guest on our show, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, If you have a unique talent that you'd like to share, we would love to have you because it is our goal to share your journey. And as I always say, everybody's journey is separate and should not be judged. Well, before we get started on all the mailbag questions, how about talking about wine for just a moment? I was in the grocery store the other day and I happened to come across one of my original, original favorite wines, and that is Chateau Saint Michel Cab Sauvignon. I am a big fan of Chateau Saint Michel and I've learned a lot about where their grapes are grown and um, where their reds versus their whites are grown. So much so that my husband and I have talked about going out to that area of, of Oregon to explore for vacation. So if you're interested, find a good bottle of Chateau St. Michel Cab Sauvignon and maybe get online, do a little research. Maybe it'll be an area that you wanna go and journey to as well. Okay, so let's move into the actual financial related part of Wine and Dime, where we're gonna talk today about questions that have come in uh, through the mailbag that might be helpful for you all to know. So one of the questions is, What is the best place to save or the best way to save when you're young? Well, I think the question can't be answered with here or there, but first needs to be answered by saying, what is your goal? Right. So we need to figure out what it is that you're saving for. Is it a short term goal? Is it a long term goal? Once you know that, then we can break down where the best places to save are. So is it retirement that you're saving for? Because in that case, it's a very long horizon if you're young. Is it your children's education or future education? And again, that might be a very long time horizon. Is it a shorter term goal like buying a house or a car or another large purchase? Because that might be... Um, something that we're talking about saving for as well in a different bucket. And the way that we would want you to save is in multiple buckets. So automation is always extremely important when we talk about saving. I I think if there's a word that I probably use all the time, it's automate, automate, automate. But when you're looking at competing goals and ways to save, putting money in different buckets is really essential. We like to, to look at it as three different buckets. So you've got your... Uh, Roth IRA, which is a tax-free tax bucket when you pull it out, as long as you've considered to met the qualified distributions rule, but you can always get to the contributions that you put into a Roth IRA. Not the earnings tax-free, but the contributions. Once you are 59 and a half or or you've held it for five years or longer, then you can get to the earnings tax-free. Or you can do the pre-tax route, which is either a traditional IRA if you can deduct it or your 401k plan. And within your 401k plan, you may have two components. You may have a Roth piece and you may have a taxable piece. And if that's the case, you may want to put money in the Roth component because these are probably your lowest earning years as far as we know. And so you'll want to put that in the Roth component. And then your employer match could be the pre-tax component. And then the third, uh, bucket would be a, uh, after-tax brokerage account. So there's no restrictions on getting the money out. There's, uh, you pay tax on the money as you earn throughout the years, dividends and interest, and then any, um, Capital gains, if you were to actually liquidate something. So, the best way to save is to automate when, when at any age, but the best place to save when you're young is to automate your savings into ideally a third, a third, a third of those three buckets. Okay, the next question investing in general, are there any tools or resources? I usually send people out to the FINRA website. It's finra.org backslash investors backslash learn dash to the letters to dash invest. We'll try to put this in the show notes, but finra.org provides a lot of unbiased information and they have some great videos uh, one is setting investment goals. Another is getting to know your um, terms, which is a big barrier for a lot of people. Another is uh, um, understanding the ups and downs of risk and return. Uh, ha- a, a great one is um, you know understanding the the difference in diversification and not just diversification of the assets, but of the asset types, as I mentioned in the previous question, and then. Also looking at fees and commissions and understanding how they work. So I would definitely recommend that people go out and watch some of those videos that they've created. Uh, The courses are great about walking you through the terminology. And we also use Morningstar, this um, morningstar.com. You can go out and you can get a lot of information out there about different funds, ETFs, stocks, all that sort of stuff. Um, and after you go through this FINRA course, then you probably would understand more about what the what is actually on that that website. Uh, You can also look if you hear about a particular fund, especially or company, I would say go research their particular website and determine the goal and purpose of that company or that fund to see if it actually meets your criteria. And a bonus, if any of you are interested, I'll be happy to send it to you. I have a whole video that's an investment review video that I will send to you if you reach out to me. One of the things when you go out to the Morningstar website that we often look at is, you know, the investment style. um, If the mutual fund or ETF is open to new money, what the fee level is what the maturity level of the manager is, and then what is the turnover ratio. And that's important to us for the turnover ratio is important to us because if there's a large turnover, then the mutual fund could be producing a lot of capital gains. And we might want that in retirement money versus after-tax money because um, capital gain distributions might be occurring. And if you want to know more about that, I think I covered that in the Investment 102 class. The other thing that we look at is how has the money, how would the money have grown if you put, put, uh, if you invest in it? And, and this is historical. You can never say that, you know, it's the old adage, like future performance is not guaranteed by prior performance, but it can give you some idea of what the performance was versus category versus index. And this is one of the, those areas that we, The reason it's so important for you to look at the manager is because um, you want to know if the performance that you're seeing is that of the current manager or of a prior manager. So if the manager only has one year into the fund, then it's not their performance, it's somebody else's performance. And then finally, um, out on the Morningstar website, there's a little box or a little menu item that you can click on that's about risk. And we often look at what is the risk related to the category and the return related to the category. Now, ideally... I mean, the the perfect world is to have low risk versus category and high return versus category. But at minimal, you want to see average, right? And then if you listen to the last podcast, we talked a lot about the Sharpe ratio. And remember, what was the return for the risk? And the higher the Sharpe ratio, the better. So we definitely look at that. And we look at standard deviation. Next question. How can one grow economic wealth? when not able to save money out of each paycheck. So we understand that economic wealth is difficult when, it's, when you can't save automatically what I, like what I talked about. But when you think about economic wealth, in our mind, it's grown in, in many ways, savings, protecting, and growing. So those three ways is how economic wealth is, is grown. When you think about savings, if you can start at 3% and give it a try, if it's too much, back it down. Aim to increase 1% every six months or every year if you can't do every six months until you're at 15%. So it's less painful because you're not starting out of the gate at 15%. And if you can't, if you're not able to save much money out of every paycheck that, you know, 3% starting out, will get you started and then you slowly build it. And as your income grows, your savings grows. And if you get raises, a lot of times what we recommend is that you put half the raise in. So you get to keep half the raise to spend and you put half the raise in savings. And then on the protecting side, we want you to think about transferring of risk or maintaining the risk. So transferring of the risk is buying insurance to cover certain things that happen to you in your life, where maintaining the risks um, says I'm going to cover that, but I'm going to save to cover that. And, and that is really important in growing economic wealth. Cause if you have an emergency happen or you have an unexpected event, like disability, loss of household income through unemployment or unexpected expenses that can wipe out the economic wealth that you have already saved for. And as far as like how much we want you to save in that emergency fund, it it varies by age and income, but rule of thumb is six to 12 months of your expenses. That's the ideal. But even if you can put around $2,500 aside is great too, and then start saving, uh, in other, you know, for other buckets and other purposes, that's ideal. The other thing is, um, you know, what what I mentioned was growing. So growing is investing, and growing is earning more. So there's two categories of growing: growing and the investing is. Don't try to time the market, and don't be afraid to invest. If you don't know where to go, there are some wonderful target date funds out there. Like Vanguard has a bunch of target date funds, really low cost. Uh, The whole idea is that, you know, you're, you're saving for a particular target date. So like, if you say I'm going to retire in 2050, then the target date fund would be 2050. If you say 2030, then the target date would be 2030. And the more, the closer you get to those target dates, the more conservative it gets. It does not go to cash because it assumes that, especially if it's for retirement, that although you might be retiring in 2030, you're not necessarily going to pull all the assets at that point in time. And then from a growing perspective, the more you earn, the more you can save, right? So know your worth and add tax. Don't be afraid to ask for more, but do the research on what the job that you're doing is actually worth and be willing to take that in. And so you you know, you know, also can go in and say, look, I've done some research. Here is what this job is worth. I'd like to ask for a raise. They may not give you the full raise that you're asking for, but if you don't ask, you don't get And then also consider a side hustle. Is there something that you really enjoy that you could make money at? That's going to grow your earnings too, which again would allow you to save more. Next question is how much money is, is the average for retirement? And this question comes in at at like how much should you have saved at various ages in retirement? So it truly also depends on what your retirement lifestyle looks like. If you've traveled for work all your life and you don't want to travel once you get into retirement, then the average amount that you've saved is very different than if you've done the opposite where you haven't traveled much for your, in your working years and you want to travel a lot for retirement. Here's some standard rules of thumb. By the time you're 30, have one times your income saved. By the time you're 35, two times your income. At 40, three times your income. At 50, five times your income. At 60, seven times your income. And at age 70, nine times your income. The next question is regarding taxes and COVID. What benefits can you uh, utilize since you've been working from home? And this does depend on the state you live in to a certain extent, because you may be able to itemize on your state income tax return If your state is decoupled. So um, look to see if your state is coupled with the federal return or decoupled with the federal return. And if you're decoupled, then you actually could itemize your tax return and take those home office expenses as a uh, itemized deduction. If you're an S-corp, you may want to set up what's called a reimbursement plan. And if you're a sole proprietor and maybe you get 1099 income, you can write off a portion of your home expenses based on the space you're utilizing for your office. The next question is, what can I be doing beyond my 401k? You should be looking at the following. A Roth IRA is a great option beyond a 401k. So remember I talked about the three buckets earlier. So if you have your 401k and you have access money, a Roth IRA is a great place and it can be multifaceted for some of your goals. Because remember, you can always get to the contributions of Roth IRA. So this is a great place to save for emergency funds and college education costs if those competing goals exist, but you don't have the resources right now to save for everything. So put money in the Roth IRA is a great option. If you have enough to save for the Roth IRA and more beyond that, then the brokerage account is the third bucket that I mentioned. So 401k, Roth IRA, brokerage account would be the third um, there are no access limits to this ca- account. There's no maximum that you can put in this account, whatever you can afford. Generally, there's no minimum either. So you can just put whatever excess you have and then you can pull the money at any point in time. You do, as I mentioned earlier, pay tax on the dividends and interest in the year earned and then capital gains if you sell something. And then also look for the funds that are available. Um, One thing that we, when we talk about doing what, you know, what, what you would do beyond that. Looking at your 401k plan, what are the options that are available? And if you're missing an asset class, you can always use like the Roth IRA to fill that gap or the brokerage account to fill that gap. We prefer that you use what's called exchange traded funds in a brokerage account and specifically US based uh, exchange traded funds if possible that are growth oriented and pay qualified dividends for tax advantage purposes. Now, another question came in that asked how to best uh, approach buying a home. The first step is to determine if you actually should buy a home. That's the first step. So many people believe that they're losing money if they rent, but that may not be true. There are some expenses that you'll never recover, like upkeep, taxes, insurance, HOA fees, and interest on a mortgage. So, um it may not be beneficial based on all of those items that you won't get back. You may not be actually losing money. If your rent is less than all of those above, it may be financially better for you to rent and invest the principal that you would be putting into the mortgage. If you have other reasons for wanting to buy a home, then that would be different. So make sure your credit, quote unquote, house is in order and you know your debt to income ratio to know the wiggle room that you have then get pre-approved. That is the next step because then it'll it'll give you some idea of what a financial institution would actually give to you if you were going to get a house so you know what your price range is in. And then understand if you put less than 20% down, you will be subject to what's called PMI or primary mortgage insurance until the value of the loan is less than 80% of the, the house. And finally... Any tips on how to recover from or compensate from growing up in a low income or the low end of an income spectrum living on low minimal income can have serious long term consequences. So it, but is it better to focus on paying down debt before building a savings or vice versa? Certainly paying down debt is extremely important, but if you don't have an emergency fund, it can be a continuous cycle. So we encourage everyone to save at least $2,500 in an emergency fund. I know that's not the six to 12 months that would be the long-term goal, but it's a start. Then you could focus on paying down debt, like hyper-focus on paying down debt, building a spending plan and incorporate a debt reduction plan that is either like a snowball or an, an avalanche plan. Determining what your debt-free date is um, by doing that. And then once you get the debt squared away, our long-term goal would have you save 15%. And again, it's in that third, a third, a third, a third pre-tax, a third tax-free, and a third in brokerage. Now, if you have a 401k plan and your employer matches that contribution, we want you taking advantage of that. So that would be you know, something that, again, it's a competing goal slightly, but we don't want you to give up that employer contribution. And again, I'm going to go back to something that I said to you earlier, make sure you know your wealth and then add sales tax. The more you earn, the quicker you can grow your net worth as women, especially myself, we have a tendency to under get underpaid. There's all sorts of statistics out there that show we make 80% of what our male counterparts make, but we need to start, uh, pointing that out and asking for what our actual worth is or else it's never going to change. So I just keep saying that make sure you know your worth and add sales tax or add tax. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you do, please feel free to share it. Uh, Please go out and rate us on iTunes and Spotify so that more people can help find this podcast. We'd love to get any questions that you might have. We hope you've enjoyed the different type of podcasts that we've been doing throughout the month of april and if you do have any questions we'd love to hear from you you can reach us at www.rootedpg.com or info at rootedpg.com and we'll of course have all of that in the show notes we hope you have a great day and that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and dime you can contact amy through the website www.rootedpg.com